Well, the Kings suck again. The Fox and the Ox era is ruined. They never should have traded Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis, and Valentine's Day is a stupid holiday. All right, I got all that off my chest. Unfortunately, the Kings lose a very winnable game against a super short-handed but also new-look Brooklyn Nets team that avoid losing their 12th straight game. Sacramento, unfortunately, might look back at a game like this when it's all said and done in their play-in race and go, man, that's a one we needed to have in order to make it. But there were some kind of little bit of positives to pull from this game. All right, not really. It mainly was a letdown for Sacramento. Some interesting and, in my opinion, bad decisions by Alvin Gentry. The Kings as a whole went way too reliant or were way too reliant on the three-point shot. We'll talk about all this. Rashawn Holmes continuing to struggle. Tyrese Halliburton broke our hearts on this Valentine's Day with a emotional uh, piece in the Players' Tribune about his reaction to being traded from the Kings. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the Kings for ABC 10 News and Television here in the California capital. And not the Valentine's Day that we were hoping for, although I hope that whether you're single, taken, in some kind of weird relationship, or whatever your situation, hope you can enjoy this day in somewhat of a, uh, some fashion. Uh, I think many of us were hoping to enjoy a Kings win on this Valentine's Day, but instead the Kings fell way too in love with a three-point shot in Brooklyn against the Nets, and they ended up getting friend-zoned. This is a a tough loss in the sense that this Brooklyn Nets team is really, really shorthanded right now. Kyrie can't play at home because of his vaccination status. Kevin Durant is out with injury. They just traded away James Harden. Ben Simmons isn't playing yet, although he was there. Seth Curry did play, made his debut for the Brooklyn Nets, and the Sacramento Kings might have preferred to face Kevin Durant because Seth Curry has not forgotten that the Kings rescinded a qualifying offer for him when he was in Sacramento and at the early stages of his career when then-head coach George Carl basically said that he's not much of an NBA player or he'd have a few good years in the NBA, and that's it. Well, he seems to take that to heart every time he plays the Kings. Someone tells Seth Curry that George Carl is no longer here and the organization, or at least the organization's fans, do not echo that same thought process or that same belief in Seth Curry as a player. Kings fans really liked Seth Curry when he was here. He's continued to get better and better. Of course, he's not his brother, but he is his own 
Curry in a great way. He's become a very, very solid piece. He was great for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's going to be great and very important for the Brooklyn Nets. And lo and behold, uh, he led the Nets in 32 minutes with 23 points on 10 of 18 shooting. Um, Kings really had no answer for him. But it wasn't so much what the Brooklyn Nets were doing in this game, although I do have to give them credit for their defensive presence and their defensive effort. It was more the Kings kind of hurting themselves. And the main thing that jumps out to me, there are a couple things when looking at this box score that that the Kings really got killed on. You could look at fast break points, the fact that you got beat in transition by a Brooklyn Nets team um, that is not necessarily known for the fast break, and the Kings are supposed to be a solid fast break team, but to be outscored 17-4 to in the fast break, that's inexcusable. That's a big deal. But the biggest deal to me was the overall shot selection for the Sacramento Kings in this game. They had a very poor shooting night, period. 34% from the field, 25% from three-point range. And it was because the Kings were far too reliant on the three-point shot. Now, you could look at this box score and say the Kings only took 35 threes. And I say only because we saw the Kings in 40, 45-plus range uh, a lot this season, especially when Luke Walton was still the head coach and Buddy Heald was still here and the Kings were just chucking up threes every time up the floor, it felt like. But... What's where the Kings have been very, very successful in these first two games with this new look of DeMontis Sabonis and, and De'Aaron Fox with the rest of the new guys uh, and some of the returners is the Kings have been running a lot of action through Sabonis, either in the high post, low post, on the block, on the elbow, uh, and they've been cutting and attacking the basket and getting to the rim and using that to draw in defenders and kicking out to guys like Harrison Barnes, Dante DiVincenzo, Mo Harkless, Chemezi Meto. Even though they're not the best of three-point shooters, they get better looks than what they got tonight where they looked like the Kings were just forcing up everything from the perimeter because they gave up way too quickly on attacking the basket. Now, again, I give credit to Andre Drummond and the Brooklyn Nets who played very physical. You could tell it was in their game plan that they weren't going to let the Kings get downhill. They were going to put a body on anyone that came in even remotely close to the paint. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis did have issues uh, trying to go at Andre Drummond and never really looked comfortable. He even said after the game that he has to be more aggressive. He has to be better because he was not really looking for his offense at any point. And when he's arguably the best player on this team, you need more out of him, especially on a night where offensively as a team, you are struggling. But the Kings, in my opinion, gave up way too easily on attacking the basket, way too easily on playing to their strengths and instead, instead tried to play outside in, which we've seen this team be successful playing outside in. I should say this Kings team this season, not this current group. Like you could bring up the, uh, the the Charlotte Hornets game earlier on in the season where the Kings couldn't miss a shot and scored over 140 points. But those games have been anomalies. For the most part, this Kings team has been a poor three-point shooting team. And you could say that at this trade deadline, they got worse by trading away Tyrese Halliburton uh, and Buddy Heald. The good news is defensively, even though the Kings weren't great on defense, they did enough to keep Sacramento in the game, especially in the second quarter. The Kings were down by 19 points at one point in the first half, came back to within three, ended up trailing by seven at halftime. In the third quarter, it was pretty close. But in the second half overall, the Kings only scored 37 points. That number is not going to get it done against any team, even a shorthanded Brooklyn Nets squad. I put that on De'Aaron Fox. I put that on Sabonis. I put that on Alvin Gentry. I put that on a lot of Kings players who didn't recognize that they were over-reliant from the perimeter. And it looked like the Kings lacked the fight to try and change things, lacked the fight to try and get downhill, to get to the rim. Even when the Kings were getting stops defensively, they were getting beat down the floor, allowing the Brooklyn Nets defense to get set and then 
like we said, they they struggled just to get to the rim and attack the basket. So uh, I'm a bit disappointed with that side of things and not surprised at all that the Kings struggled and, and lost this game, struggled to score as much as they did when they were so um, reliant on the three-point shot. There were some questionable decisions in this game from uh, interim head coach uh, Alvin Gentry, including only playing DeMontis Sabonis 26 points. Now, I know this wasn't the best game for Sabonis by any means. He finishes with uh, nine points, nine rebounds, only two assists, uh, in, but only 26 minutes. It just, to me, makes no sense, especially when you're struggling offensively uh, and you are looking for a boost. And there was also a stretch in the third quarter uh, where the Kings started to unravel and fall apart in the third, where... Gentry decided to take both Fox and Sabonis out of the game. Now, to be fair, the Kings started their downward spiral a bit with both of them on the floor. So it wasn't magnificent with the two of them. And then as soon as they came out, everything fell apart. But I just, I, I question why you bring both of them out in a game that's still winnable, that is starting to get out of hand. If you see it getting out of hand, call timeout, get one of them back in there. Gentry didn't really do that. Uh, so a couple of questionable decisions by Gentry. I'm not pinning the loss on him or any one person, uh, but just a few things that were, were curious there. And then overall watching this game, this was the first time really over the course of basically a full game where the lack of chemistry, the lack of time together really came back to to bite the Kings in the butt a little bit. Like we could see mistakes that this Kings team was making that should be corrected and will probably be gone for the most part with a little more playing time together. Passes that were just a step too late or even a, 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 a fraction of a second too early or thrown behind a player instead of a, a ahead of him. Just miscommunication, a lot of miscommunication, especially offensively uh, for the Kings in this game tonight. Um, not anything I can really blame Sacramento for. I expected, honestly, more of it in the first two games than what we got. Uh, but we do know that this Kings team is actually capable of overcoming that. And I will say, and I, I think a lot of it has to do for me personally with the fact that we're kind of still in this honeymoon phase with this new roster and still excited with this new roster. But when the Kings were down by 19 points in the first half, I wasn't panicking. I wasn't worried. I wasn't overly concerned because I felt that this team had the talent and the ability to come back and to make a game of it, which of course they did. And in the second half, they, they ended up falling apart uh, once again. But what's really painful about this game is that it doesn't surprise me that Brooklyn won necessarily. It's also unfortunate that old habits die hard and the Kings aren't able to correct a mistake that has plagued this team all season long, which is losing to teams who are missing their best players. But it's a game like this when you're on the back half of the season, when you're in a race for a play-in slash playoff spot, it's games like this that you potentially look back on and go, man, February 14th in Brooklyn, where the Nets were without basically everybody except for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and, and, um, uh, and I don't know, LaMarcus Aldridge and the Kings struggled so heavily in that game. It's not that they lost. It's that they lost badly. They lost by over 20 points, 24 points, 109 to 85, um, to be exact, like these sting. And then especially when you add in the fact that the Pelicans and Blazers, I believe, 
have both won their games at the time when I started this recording, both games were going on, but both teams were up pretty comfortably. Uh, and that could end up leaving the Kings two and a half games back uh, of the 10th seed, which is again, not insurmountable. There's still plenty of time left. Uh, but that again, can be tough when you're going back and, and looking at things when everything's said and done. I do want to talk about Rashawn Holmes too, who played 22 minutes, had just four points was minus 14, two of six from the field did have six rebounds, but Rashawn just doesn't look comfortable. And he hasn't looked comfortable since before these trades went down. And I understand that there's probably some frustration with Rashawn about how his role has so drastically changed since this trade went down. And I'm sure he's been frustrated all season long with his inconsistency and inability to stay on the floor just because of the free guy injuries and COVID protocols and things uh, that have hit him so hard this season. It's been a rough year for Rashawn Holmes, and he's trying to battle back from that, looking to kind of find out where he fits with this new Sacramento Kings team, at least while he's still here in the short term. For me, I think it's not simple, a simple fix for Rashawn, but if I'm Rashawn and if I'm the Kings trying to get Rashawn comfortable and back to who he normally is, I'm simplifying things for him. I'm saying, look, you're an energy guy. You're a hustle guy. You're a guy that can help us score around the rim. You can help us rebound. You can give us some rim protection. You're athletic. You're good in the pick and roll. Play to your strengths. Play the way that got you that starting spot in the first place. Play what got you paid. Do what you do best. Don't try and do too much. And it looks like Rashawn is just trying to do a little bit too much while trying to figure out what his role is or what his ideal fit is with this new Kings team. To me, his fit is just him being himself. So if I'm the Kings, I'm telling Rashawn just to simplify things a little bit. Um, and uh, me personally, I'm not too concerned. I'm really not too concerned about Rashawn. I think he's going to be just fine. I think with a, a handful of games and a handful of minutes uh, that he'll figure out how to be effective. And I think the Kings as well could do a better job of making sure they're taking advantage of the efficiency of Rashawn, especially on the offensive end of the floor. The Kings could have really used Rashawn's floater and high shooting percentage around the rim tonight, especially with their lack of scoring uh, in the paint. The Kings as a whole points in the paint uh, finished with 32, which in the grand scheme of things is not nearly enough for this team. They were outscored 40 to 32 by the, uh, by the nets in that category as well. So disappointing loss. I'm not, heartbroken by it, not absolutely destroyed by it, not really mad at it. Uh, just some things that obviously need to be corrected. And, and the Kings have one more shot before the all-star break to correct it. However, it's going to be a very difficult game in the Chicago Bulls. I'll touch on that very, very briefly at the end of the podcast coming up next though. I want to tell you a little bit about and talk to you a little bit about Tyrese Halliburton's article that he put out in the players tribune. It tugged at the heartstrings a little bit. It was kind of a tough read. I'll tell you a little bit about it, why you should go and read it. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Right now, though, I want to let you know today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. And football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, players, performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spots for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball either but online is your sports for uh your, your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to olympic coverage and information happening right now head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at bet online where the game starts i don't know too many sacramento kings fans this season that weren't 
also major Tyrese Halliburton fans. And even though, for the most part, with the exception of tonight's game, things have been exciting and, and have been looking up for the Kings since Tyrese has been traded for DeMontis Sabonis, seeing Tyrese go, knowing what he could be, knowing how great of a kid he was, how bought in uh, to Sacramento that he was, it was tough for many of us uh, to see Tyrese trade and to see him leave. And for me personally, it got even tougher after reading his article that he released on the Players' Tribune today called Life Goes On. And basically, I'm giving you a short synopsis of this. Tyrese basically explains that how in 30 minutes, he went from confident that he was going to be a king for a long time to traded, crying in his bathroom, and just in shock, basically. And he explains this entire process, how his agent called him and said, look, there's a possibility that you could be traded. Then a couple minutes later, calling him back saying, I think it's Indiana. Then Monty McNair calling him saying, we've traded you. Him talking to his players, him talking to his girlfriend, or I should say his teammates in Sacramento, them not believing him. Then a bunch of Kings employees and teammates coming over and hanging out with him at his house. Uh, it's, it's an interesting read that it reminds you that these are human beings. It reminds you that, while we think of trades as part of the game and, and you're trading one piece for another for your favorite team, these are human beings who not only have to uproot their lives and take their families to a completely different city, in Tyrese's case, on a different side of the country, in a completely different situation than what Sacramento is in. It's also, and Tyrese explains this in the article, the feelings of, they didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. I did something wrong. Or why did they choose to get rid of me in order to improve? And that that hit Tyrese hard, as he explains in this article, especially because he was so bought in to what the Sacramento Kings were trying to do. I have a couple of, uh, of quotes uh, to read you here. And uh, these are probably not going to be easy for most of you to hear when it comes to Tyrese, but basically he says, I really, really, really was all in on Sacramento. I wasn't shy about it. I would tell people straight up, I want to be the next C-Web for this city. That was my whole mindset. I wanted to become one of those players who got drafted somewhere and built a legacy on and off the court. I wanted to become someone of the, sorry, I wanted to become someone the people of Sacramento knew was in their corner. He says, and one thing that hurts about this trade is that I feel like I was just starting to develop some lasting connections within the community. He goes on to uh, explaining how the just the feelings of being traded, dealing with those questions of doubt, those questions of if he uh, did anything wrong. And he also talks about, I'm trying to find the exact line um, where he basically says that if you'd asked any player or anybody around the Kings organization who they thought was the most bought into being a Sacramento King going or long-term and, and, and being that guy for this, this organization, pretty much everybody would have said Sacramento. Here we go. Here it says, none of us could believe I was actually going to be leaving. I guarantee that if you had taken a poll of our locker room that morning and were like, which guy on this team most wants to be in Sacramento long-term, everyone would have said me. And I think that's what all those tears and emotions were all about at the end of the day. Tyrese took it hard. It was hard for Halliburton to be traded. He was shell-shocked. And I don't blame him for the tears. I don't blame him for that emotional response, especially when you were as bought in and thought you were 
not necessarily comfortable, but thought that you and an organization had an understanding, had a partnership, had a long-term connection. I know Tyrese is also a smart guy and he understands why the Kings made the move that they did. Even if he disagrees with it, even if he's going to use it as motivation, take it personally and come back and probably destroy the Kings every opportunity that he gets to play them for the rest of his career. I'm sure he understands that the Kings made this move to bring in an all-star to pair with Fox. And one thing that I personally would like to say is that I think it is a compliment to Tyrese, his game, and his legacy. The fact that the Kings turned in just one and a half seasons, turned a 12th overall pick player who so many teams passed on into a two-time all-star. Like the fact that Tyrese had that much value where the Kings could trade him for a two-time all-star, that's significant. And I think he should wear that as a feather in his cap, even if he does take it personally. But it pulls at my heartstrings too to read this, to know as someone who is very in touch with this community, someone who has called Sacramento home my entire life, someone who grew up a fan of the Sacramento Kings and who understands what like homegrown basketball is, who understands what it took from this community to even keep this team here. When you have a player that wants to be a part of it, that wants to be a part of this community as much as Tyrese wanted to be a part of it. And he didn't just say it with words. He did it with actions. He was supporting local businesses. He was out at high school football games. Tyrese was a part of this Kings community and he wore it on his sleeve from the very beginning. To say goodbye to that, to trade that away willingly, I know that's a tough pill to swallow. But at the same time too, as much as we love guys like this and Kings fans have gotten attached to a handful of players over the last 15 years that this team hasn't made the playoffs. What do we want more than anything else? We want winning. We want this team to be better. And maybe this isn't the best thing to say on a night where the Kings just got their ass kicked by the Brooklyn Nets, but this team has gotten better. This team has a better chance of winning. And in the end, if the Kings do make the playoffs and turn this Fox and Sabonis pairing with maybe a couple other pieces into a championship contender one day, we'll be able to look back and say it's because of Tyrese Halliburton that this was possible. Now, of course, that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is it absolutely fails and Tyrese goes on to shine in Indiana and that's something we have to live with for the rest of our Kings fandom. But add that to the list of other things that we have to live with, that we have lived with, whether it's from 2002, from before the 1990s, uh, from taking Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. There's a long list of stuff that Kings fans have to deal with. Adding Tyrese to that list would be painful, but it wouldn't be anything new. The Kings winning, making the playoffs, and finally bringing a championship to Sacramento, which I understand is way, way at this point out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that suddenly with DeMontis Sabonis here that this Kings team has championship aspirations, or they always have aspirations, has championship possibility or probability. But... You need to sacrifice good players sometimes. You need to sacrifice good people. You need to sacrifice people who want to be here in order to make the moves necessary to win. Mitch Richmond was also a fan favorite. His journey jersey is hung up uh, and retired inside the Golden One Center. It took Mitch Richmond being traded for the Kings to get Chris Weber and for that entire golden era really to begin. It took Jason Williams being traded for the Kings to get Mike Bibby 
who turned into the perfect point guard for that group. It took the Kings taking a guy named Peja Stojakovic, who nobody knew about in the draft, who turned into Peja freaking Stojakovic, whose jersey is also retired in Sacramento, for the Kings to be as good as they were. It may not be the best and feel the best short term, but long term, hopefully, in this case, finally, things work out for this Kings group. All right. Getting sappy here on Valentine's Day. Some of us have broken hearts with this Tyrese Halliburton thing on on Valentine's Day, but maybe it'll make you feel a little bit better or maybe it'll break your heart even more when I tell you about Marvin Bagley's debut with the Detroit Pistons. It shouldn't shatter your heart too bad. He was just fine, but I'll tell you about his numbers. Plus, I'll talk a little bit about the Kings next game against the Chicago Bulls before the All-Star break. That's all coming up. After I tell you about Built Bar, protein bars that taste like candy bars, Built Bars covered in 100% chocolate. I've told you about them a million times. If you are someone who is looking to replace those candy bars that you love so much with something that is healthier, uh, looking for a, a snack to get you through the day, something after a gym workout, something during a golf round like what I do all the time, something to help you lose weight, something to help you put on uh, muscle, get you the, the daily protein that you need, Built Bar checks all those boxes and then some. And it comes in a variety of fantastic flavors. My favorite is mint brownie. There's fruity flavors. There's hearty flavors. There's super chocolatey flavors. There are flavors out there for anybody and everybody. And if you want want to try built bars. If you haven't tried a built bar yet, the thing I recommend doing is going on to built.com and ordering a mixed box. They'll send you a bunch of different bars, different flavors for you to try. You can find out which ones you like, which ones you don't like, which ones are your favorite. Uh, and uh, then when you go back to built.com and order your second box, and I'm pretty confident that you're going to want to order another box, you can then pick the flavors that you want. and They'll send you a custom bar filled with all of your favorite one type of bars, if you want, a, a couple different bars. My wife and I typically order about three or four different bars, two that are, are my favorite, two that are her favorite. Uh, and uh, whatever you're ordering on built.com, you can try all their different products there. Make sure you're using our protein, or rather our promo code to get a protein bar. And that promo code is LOCKED15. You can use LOCKED15 to get 15% off. And again, just to give you an idea of these bars, most of them have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. These bars are great for you. They're delicious. They're healthy. Give them a try. And again, save some money when you're buying Built Bars on Built.com with promo code LOCKED15. Marvin Bagley made his debut for the Detroit Pistons tonight. And the reason why I bring it up, we'll be on watch a little bit with what Tyrese does, with what Buddy Heald does, with what Marvin Bagley does for the rest of the season. But I'm especially interested in what Marvin Bagley does because, as many of you know who have listened to me over the years, I'm a fan of Marvin's. And I, I wish him the absolute best. I'm hoping that this fresh start in Detroit can be exactly what he needs. Now, I'm also aware that if Marvin becomes successful, that's just another thing that Kings fans have to deal with. But like we talked about in the last segment with Tyrese, add it to the list, right? I'm rooting for Marvin to turn his career into something more with his time with the Detroit Pistons. And he got it started with a relatively decent performance. Again, he's playing on a bad team uh, in the Detroit Pistons. But I, like I talked about on my last podcast with Kuka Hill of Locked On Pistons, I think he's one of those guys that you should just throw out there, give him a, a ton of minutes, let Dwayne Casey just kind of uh, give Bagley the reins, let him do his thing alongside Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham and kind of just see what you got. Now Marvin played 21 minutes uh, in his debut, finished with 10 points and eight rebounds. So nearly a double-double, 
those numbers, of course, could go up. He could easily get those numbers without trying too hard. Uh, I didn't obviously watch the game, so I couldn't give you more analysis beyond what the box score says. And looking at a couple of highlights, he looked like the Marvin Bagley that we've seen over the last couple of years, just trying to get comfortable uh, finding his way. But I'll continue to provide updates for what Marvin and Tyrese and Buddy and, and former Kings do for the remainder of the season, unless you don't want to hear about them. If you if you say they're gone, they're not Kings anymore, I don't want to hear it, uh, then let me know of that. And you can let me know uh, how, what you think of the show, you let me know what you think of, uh, the, the Kings loss to the Brooklyn Nets about this trade overall, have your opinions tr- changed a little bit after tonight's loss, uh, your thoughts on Tyrese Halliburton's, uh, article in the players tribune. You can send all of your thoughts to me at Matt George sack on Twitter, email me, Matt George sports at gmail.com, or leave your thoughts down in the YouTube comment section down below. If you're watching here uh, on YouTube and speaking of YouTube, thank you so much the growth on YouTube has been insane. We're over 2000 subscribers. Uh, and that's crazy. The views on recent pods have been just through the roof with the trade deadline last week the best week by far in the history of the locked on Kings podcast. And I'm so, so thankful for that. Thank you so much for your support on YouTube. And of course, audio listeners, you guys have been incredible as well. The audio numbers are through the roof. Also, I really appreciate that. Continue to stick around. Even if uh, things aren't as exciting as they were last week, thankfully, there's going to be more than enough reason to watch here as the Kings continue their push towards the, uh, the play-in. And even if the Kings don't make the play-in, even if the, it ends up falling up short, they still have enough to be excited about and interested in. It's definitely some decisions to be made to this offseason going into next year where there will be high expectations for this team in this core. Absolutely no doubt about it. That's something that we're going to talk a lot about during this upcoming offseason when we get to it here on Locked on Kings. Um, but regardless, I hope you will uh, you'll continue to stick around. You can join me for uh, Wednesday night after the Kings take on the Chicago Bulls, and that's going to be a tough game. The Bulls are one of my favorite, if not my favorite team to watch this season, maybe other than the Memphis Grizzlies. They've been very, very fun. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is playing out of his mind right now. I really like that Chicago Bulls team. That's going to be a tough game for the Kings that... Quite honestly, I fully expect the Kings to lose. The one thing that I ask, the one thing that I can't accept is if the Kings play like it's a like they're already on vacation, like it's a getaway game, right? Because right after that game, the Kings will go on a, a the all-star break and they don't play again until I think the following Thursday against the Denver Nuggets, if I'm not mistaken. Like the 24th, I think, is their next game after that. So they'll have some time off. And I know those players, some of these, these Kings players use that time off to spend time with their families, to rest, to recoup, to get healthy. Some go right back to Sacramento or go home and, and start working on their game still and try and stay in shape. Uh, some go and enjoy the all-star festivities. Although Davion Mitchell, as far as I know, is the only King involved in any kind of uh, all-star stuff playing in the rising stars game. Um, I just don't want to see this Kings team look like they're obviously ready for vacation and they're not too interested in the game. That's that's basically my one request for that game. And I, I think the Kings will deliver on that. But I hope you'll join me for that episode. I hope you'll join me for all future episodes uh, during the All-Star break. I'll be taking a little bit of a break, but not a massive one. There will still be Locked on Kings content for you during the All-Star break uh, for you to enjoy. Just might take a few more days off uh, than I normally would with our normal upload schedule. Um, I appreciate all of you who have been supporting the frequent amount of episodes uh, that have been coming out. I'm going to try and carry that out the remainder of this season. Uh, And again, just thank you so much for your support. Thanks for leaving reviews of the podcast. If you haven't already, please do that on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, or you can do it on Spotify now. Uh, If you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, leave comments, join that community there. I'm so thankful for all of it. Uh, And I 
I hope that it continues for the rest of the season and beyond in the future seasons here on Locked on Kings. Thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.